all things are lawful, all things that are expedient, all things are lawful, all things do not edify. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles, that eat, asking no question for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And if any of them that believe not, if an unbeliever were to bid you to a feast, and you be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no question for conscience sake. But if any man say to you, this is offered in sacrifice to idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, but for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not your own conscience, but the other man's conscience. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that for which I give thanks? Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher, Dr. John G. Mitchell, was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. Our name, the Unchanging Word, reflects the fact that the eternal Word of God has never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. Thank you for joining us in the Unchanging Word. Our study today picks up again in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 23. Dr. Mitchell will be covering verses 23 through verse 1 of chapter 11. He will be speaking about conscience and doing all to the glory of God. Everyone has a conscience, but not everyone has the same conscience. Each man's conscience is to be based on the Word of God. Paul says in Acts chapter 24, I do my best to always keep a conscience void of offense, both before God and before man. Each conscience, therefore, before God, based on the Word of God, believes in the glory of God, Jesus Christ himself. Here's Dr. Mitchell. Thank you. Good day, friends. We're in the book of Corinthians, chapter 10. I'm sure most of you know that by now. And I'm sorry that I've been so slow in going through, but you know, there's so many practical lessons there for us today. Because I believe in America, even among evangelicals, we still have the problem of Corinthian, the Corinthian church. Not only in some of its doctrine, but also in its practice. And we've been dealing in our past lessons about instructions, our last lesson, instruction at the Lord's table, especially of the fact that all believers are one body in Christ. What do you have in verse 17? For we being many are one bread, one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. And he goes on to speak of the fact there are two tables, the table of the Lord and the table of demons. And if we, if we partake of that which belongs to idols, 
We provoke the Lord to jealousy, verse 21, 22. And are we stronger than he? Our God is a jealous God. And he wants us to honor him in all that we are and in all that we do. That's why Paul goes on to say, all things are lawful, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. I want to suggest to you and me, and I'm going to pass on into the rest of the lesson, you and I have a tremendous responsibility the one to the other. I can't help but think of that when I read a verse like verse 16. Verse 15 says, I speak to you as wise, as wise men. You judge what I say is true. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion, the fellowship of the blood of Christ by which you and I were redeemed from sin, set free from death and hell? The bread which we break, is it not the communion or the fellowship of the body of Christ, fellowshipping with God through His Son? For we are many. That's true, we are many. But there's only one bread, one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. What I'm trying to get to your heart is everyone who really trusts the Savior loves the Savior. Is trusting Him as the one who put away their sin by the sacrifice of himself, joined to a living Christ, having a new life, uh, new thoughts, new actions, as Paul could say, we're new men in Christ. We're one body. And we should indeed recognize them as belonging to the Savior and do what we can to help each other. It's very obvious that we don't all agree on doctrine. But Paul here is pleading for the fact because we belong to the Savior, we should have that fellowship together and not be opposed to each other. It's what Paul is after. Love edifieth. I can't help but come back to that in chapter 8. Knowledge puffeth up. Love edifieth. Now we come down to verse 23 to 33. In fact, down to the first verse of chapter 11. And we have his, his final word on this, and that is consideration of others. He's touched it on chapter 8. He's touched it here at the beginning of chapter 10, and he again depicts it up. All things are lawful. All things are not expedient. All things are lawful. All things do not edify. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Or if I might put a different word in there, you notice that wealth is in italics. Instead of seeking things for yourself, living for yourself, centered upon yourself, do things to encourage and bless and edify your other brother. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles, that eat, asking no question for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Now mark you what he's had in chapter 8. Some could eat in faith and some could not eat in faith. And the same thing in Romans chapter 14, where he picks it up there again, you remember. Whatever is sold in the shambles, what you, what you buy on the market, even though you know it's been offered to idols, uh, don't ask any questions about it for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. 
It comes from the hand. You recognize that when you buy that meat, you ting it as from the hands of the Lord. And if any of them that believe not, now listen to this. If an unbeliever were to bid you to a feast and you be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no question for conscience sake. But if any man say to you, this is offered in sacrifice to idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, but for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's a repetition of verse 26. Conscience, I say, not your own conscience, but the other man's conscience. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that for which I give thanks? Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now you have an amazing thing. Very practical thing. Let no man seek his own, that is his own things. Don't be so egotistical and self-occupied and self-willed. Want your own way, satisfied that what you believe is the truth and you can do what you want to because you've got freedom before God and eat it of faith. All right. What about your weaker brother? What about your weaker brother? Oh, you say he's in legalism. Don't say that. Don't say that. He may have a conscience. He may have a conscience. And the danger is we judge another person in the light of our conscience. I was discussing this with a dear lady the other day at a, con a Bible conference, and she brought this matter up, and I said, you know, the trouble is we want the other people to live the way we want them to live. In other words, you judge the other Christian in the light of your conscience instead of your brother's conscience. Look at verse 27, 28. If you go out to eat with an unbeliever and he sets meat before you, go ahead and eat it, asking no question for conscience sake. But if he says to you, this meat was offered to idols, then don't eat it. Not for your sake, but for his sake, his conscience. Verse 29, conscience, I say, not of your own, but of the other fellow. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? In other words, let me come down to it. As I started to say a few moments ago, it's so easy for us to judge the other Christian in the light of our conscience, what we know. You know I oftentimes think of that verse in Galatians 6, 1, if a brother be overtaken in a fault, you who claim to know so much, you who claim to be spiritual, don't knock him down, don't jump on him, but restore him in the spirit of meekness. In the spirit of meekness, considering the fact that you too might be tested and needed the other man to pick you up and encourage you. 
Again, I say we belong to the Savior. We belong to the same body. And it's so easy, oh, how would I know it? It's so easy to judge the other Christian according to what we know, according to our conscience. It's what causes trouble. This is what causes trouble. We judge Christians from other churches, and we say, oh, I'll tell you, that fellow only knew more of the truth. You wouldn't be in there. And instead of helping the fellow in love, in meekness, we use a club. And the result is oftentimes bad feeling, oftentimes separated fellowships. We have nothing to do with them. And oh, how many hearts have been crushed. How many young believers have been scarred through the attitude of older Christians who should know better. I'm saying this because of what Paul is talking about. And he says in chapter 11, verse 1, Be ye followers of me, as I also am of Christ. Do you understand what I mean? It's so easy, and I'm repeating it, because it's so common. We judge the other man in the light of our conscience. We want them to walk the way we think they should walk. And if they don't walk the way we think they should walk, then we condemn them, we criticize them, and sometimes we talk about them and turn others against them. May the Lord have mercy on us. Oh, for that grace, that tenderness, that compassion of Christ. When I think of how the Lord dealt with dear people, read again that gospel through Luke, how the Lord dealt with dear, dear people in, in trouble and sin. You see, when I like the gospel through John, okay, then read chapter 4 and chapter 8, how God dealt with those two women. And I'll tell you, in both cases, they never went back to their sin. He could have judged them as a rabbi. He could pronounce curse upon them as a rabbi. Instead of that, he drew them to the living God. Or you go to the gospel through Luke, it's full of it. May God grant to you and to me, and I'm saying this very kindly, I'm talking to Mitchell as well as I'm talking to you. It's so easy, so, so easy to judge the other man in the light of our conscience. Instead of recognizing him as a child of the living God, encouraging him, strengthening him, sometimes instructing him, but be sure you do it in love and in meekness. Don't come with a club. Now, let me go on. In verse 30 to 33, for if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that for which I give thanks? Even Paul could say, I have been condemned by others because I do certain things. And a Christian, uh, Romans chapter 14, you remember, if you can do these things, do them in faith, have your faith to yourself. If you do them not in faith, then you sin. That's an amazing thing. Two people can do the same thing. To one it is sin, to the other one it is not, depending upon your heart's relationship to the Savior, the knowledge you have of Christ. I'm not pleading for looseness, God forbid, nor for license. And don't say, well, I'm, I'm free. I'm in liberty. Yes, my friend. But liberty, and I repeat this over and over again, liberty always takes knowledge of the other person. When you do not take knowledge of the other person, it's no longer liberty but license. Now he goes on 
in verse 31, whether therefore you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, here's, a, here's an amazing statement, isn't it? Whatever I do, drink or eat, whatever I do, if I do it for the glory of God, then my friend, I'll tell you, my life will be to the glory of God. And the Spirit of God in me and the Spirit of God in you, if you're a believer in Christ, if you do everything to the glory of God, you and I will stop doing things that we're doing because we want to edify and build up the other man in Christ and we want to bring glory to Christ. God forbid we should do anything that would dishonor the Lord. I know I'm getting down into, into your hearts, getting down into your conscience, but you're just getting in the rebound from me. Do we always do all things to the glory of God? I'm sure if we were thinking about the glory of God and what we're doing and what we're saying, then many things we are doing we won't do. And some things we say we, don't, we won't say for doing it for the glory of God. And he comes to verse 32, an amazing thing he said. Give no offense. Don't offend anybody, neither Jews nor Gentiles nor the church of God. Now here you have where God puts the whole human race into three groups. The Jews, the Gentiles, the church of God. Three different groups. The Jews have tried at times to get rid of being recognized as Jews, but they can't get rid of it. I remember a, a Jewish man telling me on the plane, he said, when I go back home, I'm going to sell my house and go into a different district and change my name. So they will not know me as a Jew. And I said, mister, you'll never get away with it. It sticks out all over you. You're a Jew. What about Gentiles? Well, everybody knows what Gentiles are. This is the unsaved world with all its sin and shame. What about the church of God? We ought to be just as marked, if not more so, than even the Jew. Because we've been redeemed from the world and all that belongs to it. Remember this, that when you and I accepted the Savior, we were not only delivered from our sins, we were not only delivered from death and its terror, but we were delivered from this present evil world. You remember Galatians chapter 1, verse 4. Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. We are living in an evil world. You have the Jew, you have the Gentile, you have the Church of Christ. There are just two kingdoms in the world, just two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of darkness. There's the kingdom of light. And this Colossian says, chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, He hath delivered us, translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. We're no longer in the kingdom of darkness. We are no longer children of wrath. We belong to the church, the body of Christ. He has just been talking about that. In this chapter, there's one loaf. The cup we drink, is it not the fellowship of the blood of Christ? 
the loaf, the bread which we eat, is it not the fellowship of the body of Christ? We're one bread, we're one body. The church, as Ephesians chapter 3 says, we were a mystery hidden in God from past generations, but manifest in these last times for you who by him believe in God who raised him from the dead. Our hope is in God. You don't find the, old, the church in the Old Testament. You have hints of the Gentiles coming to God in the Old Testament, but the church is not known. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 5, 6, and 9 tells us it was not known in Old Testament days. It was not known to past generations. Something entirely new. We belong to the church, the body of Christ. So I come back to the verse 32. Give no offense. Don't offend the Jew. Don't offend the Gentile world. Now, that doesn't mean to compromise with them. That doesn't mean to become worldly. We are in the world, as Jesus said in John 17, we are in the world, we are not of the world. Satan is the prince of this world. He's the god of this age. We don't belong to it. We are in the world, not of the world. But yet, I must not offend, give offense to the world. I've got to keep myself open to reach the world for Christ and give no offense to the church of God. And if I belong to the church of God, I've got a responsibility to every member of that church. The church of God, made up of all believers in Christ, whatever your color, whatever your tongue, whatever your age, whatever, whatever you are, if you belong to the Savior, you belong to the church of God. You belong to me, and I belong to you. We're members of the same body. Give no offense then. If, I, if I'm asked not to give an offense to the Jew and I'm not to offend the Gentiles, then I'm not to offend the body of Christ. Anybody in the church, the body of Christ. What do you think Paul is talking about? Whatever you do in word or in deed, do all to the glory of God. If you, even your eating and drinking must be for the glory of God of God. I'm to live down here as a child of God. Or someone says, Mr. Munson, you know, when I get to heaven, oh boy, I'm going to, I'm sure going to walk correctly up there. Well, let me ask you a question. Does God have two walks for his people, one in heaven and one on earth? Why well, don't expect me to walk on earth the way I walk in heaven? My friend, it's the same walk. You're going to be a child of God in heaven. You're a child of God on earth. Why do you think he left us down here? But to reveal to the world something of the beauty and the love and the glory and the tenderness and the compassion of Christ. So when I live, as I walk and talk, my very attitude should be such that God will be glorified in my life. So whenever I eat or whether I drink, should be to the glory of God. Just one more thing. Verse 33. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, not doing my own thing, if you please, but that men and women might be saved. I come right back to chapter 9. I am made all things to all men. If by any means I might save some, I am become all things to all men. If by any means 
I might save some. Do you ever think of it? Listen, my Christian friend, be ye followers of me, said Paul, even as I also am a follower of Christ. The first verse of chapter 11. And if Paul had such a passion for Christ, don't you think you and I should have a passion for the Savior? I'm talking to Christians today. You're upon my heart because I see this thing is so needful. Wherever I turn, wherever I go, among God's people, I see this need of recognition of every real believer in Christ as a child of God. I belong to him. He belongs to me. My life affects his life. His life affects my life. And we ought to live to the glory of God and give no offense. Why not to the Jew? Because I want to win the Jews, says Paul. Why not to the Gentiles? Because I want to win the Gentiles. Why not to the church? I want to edify the church, the body of Christ. I'll leave that with you today. May we be followers of Paul even as he followed the Savior. And may the Lord wonderfully bless you, glorify himself in you and me today for his name's sake. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.